So once it's not a narcotic anymore, there's no laws. And I don't think that they didn't know that. I mean, people come into the shop ready to spend anywhere between one and 3,000 baht on some cannabis. And like, these are not bad people, you know? These are successful people. You couldn't even tell people for the most part, you know? It was super taboo. Um, but then all of a sudden in the past 12 months, it's like the coolest thing to do. Everybody wants to invest and have a farm or everybody wants to have a dispensary now, you know? It's very surreal. Ty, how much money do you make? At today's prices, you could maybe generate like 100 million a year. Thai Tavi Panishapan, entrepreneur and the owner of 420 Thailand, Canagro Technology and Cultivate, is one of the leading Thai entrepreneurs of cannabis cultivating equipment, cannabis growth, and cannabis dispensaries in Thailand. With his businesses growing rapidly, Thai is one of the pioneers in his field. We reflect upon his thoughts on the current situation of cannabis in Thailand, where it's heading, and what lies ahead for the future of Thai cannabis tourism. Introducing Thai Tavi Panishapan. Thai, how old were you when you first tried weed? Be honest. Uh, the first time I tried weed, either 15 or 16. Oh, yeah? Yeah. All right. That, so you're originally from Phuket, so that's pretty impressive. 15's yeah, acceptable. Yeah, 15 for 16, and Phuket is basically like 20. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's actually true. And uh, so we were talking about earlier about experiences with cannabis. Now, there's a lot of misinformation, and I guess it also depends on your personal experience. Like I was sharing with you my personal experience that uh, I personally can't smoke cannabis even if I wanted to because I green out, I, I throw up, I get dizzy, I get oversensitive. And you were telling me the importance of how this experience basically forms people's opinions. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. What was your first experience? Oh, man, my first experience. So, yeah, before, before I tried weed the first time, I was actually very anti-cannabis. Mm-hmm like anti-weed in general yeah um so like most good kids are yeah basically yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know just i just wanted to try it out with a friend and we ended up just buying some thai weed from a reggae bar uh Nihon reggae bar nice. <laughs> then we came home rolled it up into a joint uh yeah I, I remember smoking it in in my bathroom okay and like yeah. you, you you made a joint or yeah, you we rolled a joint and no, rolled a joint and then, you know, it wasn't a very good one, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but we made it work. And, and yeah, don't remember too much after that, but mm. definitely remember passing out. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. What would you say to the people who have bad experiences? Like, for example, me, mm. I've had a couple of horrible experiences in a row, which have made me not ever want to try it again. And it's yeah. been years now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we were getting into a second ago. It's... It's, it's very common for people to have not the best first time experience with mm -hmm. cannabis because, yeah. I mean, it is a psychedelic. Mm -hmm. uh, it does open different neurons in your brain. So yeah. when you are using it, like your perspective can, can definitely change and stuff. And it can be a little bit scary for sure uh, when you've never tried that. Yeah. Um, so a very common occurrence is for a first time uh, trier to mm -hmm. just feel overwhelmed um, when they start closing their eyes, the, you know, the world can spin. And then as they get more and more overwhelmed, they green out yeah. and, and start 
vomiting and then yeah another super common uh feeling is uh feeling like you're dying yeah <laughs> yeah so you know if you feel that it's pretty normal but i think it's important to note that yeah i mean a lot of people do um kind of formulate an uh, an opinion based on those first time experiences and mm-hmm. i think that's why it's super important to kind of as somebody who if you're kind of trying to introduce it to somebody else it's kind of that person's responsibility to ensure that that the other person's first time experience is a good one mm. right so for just as as an example if nobody if somebody's never drank alcohol before and then they're going to try alcohol for the first time you're not going to go and tell them to down three shots in a row right it might be with like a, a light beer or you know wine some something lighter right and i think with cannabis is is the same thing like people sh- if they want to experiment if they want to try it they should try it at uh, incremental doses and start on the lower end for sure now when when did you decide to make the shift from being a consumer and more of mm. a provider now it's very recent that yeah. it's been legal mm. but i'm guessing without you know incriminating yourself <laughs> um like w- when did you first feel like i like this product i understand this product maybe i can sell this product well i mean for me it's been a long journey because from again remembering back to my childhood i was very anti cannabis yeah. and okay. uh it it was mostly because uh i saw how it could uh, affect people's lives negatively because mm-hmm. it affected my brother's life quite negatively okay. um in regards to you know basically becoming a stoner not mm-hmm. prioritizing important things in your life and etc etc so i always had a quite negative uh, viewpoint on it and mm. um i mean as i tr- tested it more and more i kind of opened up to uh understanding that i didn't know anything about the plant at all mm-hmm. um and it was really when the first uh evidence of how um how medicinal cannabis can be started appearing online that i started gaining more and more interest in it as a product because mm-hmm. i from childhood loved plants and i always loved medicinal plants as well i have like one of my favorite books that i had as a kid is like a herbal uh herbal plant book basically yeah. and so i mean as this information came out I mean again even till today a lot of it is not really like uh accepted by yeah. normal like doctors I guess you could say and stuff mm. like that but that's changing a lot right now. Yeah. So that kind of like inspired me to open up to it more and then I guess as as I got more and more exposure and again educated myself more on it by getting more exposure I kind of just formed more and more of a passion for the plant. Okay. And I mean I uh I first tried better weed when I was in Australia. Okay. At like 17 or 18. Mhm. Something like that. You you mean like uh moving away from the local Thai weed? Yeah, so before I only knew brickweed. Yeah, you know, okay. like yeah. That was weed. Okay. <laughs> and then to think that weed was something else other than that was like It was not even in yeah. the lexicon, right? Like you are the too young to afford it or you didn't have access to it. Yeah, like Thailand there was an access thing. Mm-hmm. And then so when I tried proper weed in in Australia the first time, it's just a game changer. Like it's not even it's it's like Thai weed almost becomes not weed at that point yeah. in comparison, you know. Okay. Um 
so yeah, it, it was more like an educational process for me. Um, okay. So, you know, we live we live in a country that's quite conservative. There's not enough education regarding, um, you know, cannabis. And I think, I guess, the, one of the things the government could definitely could have improved upon was educating people on the benefits and, you know, mm. at least before they made it legal, inform people yeah. uh, what effects they might feel. So my question is regarding to you personally, you know, you, you're half Thai, half South African? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, even... It, living in thailand and and the half part of you did you have any pushback from your family or friends like when, um, when you told them that i'm I'm gonna pursue a career in cannabis so yeah i mean it was a very taboo thing mm-hmm. here uh especially a few years back so i mean i i i personally didn't make the jump into kind of devoting my career to cannabis mm-hmm. until they actually announced medical legalization mm-hmm. three years ago. Okay. Um, so, you know, there was no, like, pronouncement that I was doing anything, basically. And I, I, I had actually... So I started growing just as a hobby in university a little okay. bit here and there. Yeah. Uh, mostly for personal use. Mm-hmm. Um, and like then, one does? Yeah, exactly. Because it was too expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way yeah. too expensive. And... And I mean, in hindsight, I'm super glad that I did because now that's my passion now is growing. Like mm-hmm. I consider myself a grower, you know, a cultivator uh, before anything else, really. Okay. Um, but, you know, so there wasn't necessarily a lot of pushback from my family okay. because when I decided to get into the industry, it was kind of just like tiptoeing into it. You know, it's mm. not like I just started a cannabis company uh, straight away. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, my first company in cannabis was, uh, it's just selling equipment, Okay. you know, so there was nothing illegal about that. And I made it, um, a priority to ensure that there was nothing illegal being done by that company anyways. Um, so, I mean, uh, I mean, my family has even some concerns even till this day, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, but they're, they're very, uh, supporting about it. And again, just, I make sure to try uh well not try i make sure to keep on the uh legal side of things mm. okay you know? just making sure basically that you have all the paperwork that yeah. you need in case somebody asks for it how does it feel being a young cannabis entrepreneur in thailand and when you did start off like is there even an option for government funding so mm. you know i'm talking in regards to your young age like you're 27 right yeah i just turned 28 yeah. yeah. So, so when you re- started this, I mean, a couple of years ago, not three, four years ago, like, is there even any possibility that the government would fund you? Would you get a bank loan? No, not really. There was definitely, uh, at least for a person in my position, no, no ways to get like mm-hmm. government funding for sure. No bank funding for sure either. I mean, to get funding here, I mean, you basically just need a company that's been set up for most of the time two to three years okay and then uh you know a healthy balance sheet yeah um most of the government funding's going towards like uh, e-commerce type stuff mm. you know iot type stuff they're not really i mean they do provide funding for agricultural agriculture especially to like uh poorer farmers in rural areas and stuff yeah. like this but yeah for for me no there was definitely no government funding and would, would cannabis at that time i'm talking like three four years ago would that um 
be ag- considered as agriculture like you're growing plants mm, yeah i mean yeah definitely i mean it's back then it wasn't narcotic so yeah. it's still a plant okay um definitely falls under agriculture mm. uh but yeah again for the most part there was such a high barrier to entry that uh, everybody who was able to get a license was super well connected, super well yeah. funded anyway. So that it's not like they would need to uh, find much funding to, to start anyways. Okay. And what were the problems of selling cannabis, you know, pre-2022? Like, so w- even when it was only available for medicinal purposes, did you face any problems? And now that it's legal, what what are the problems that you face now? So, I mean, I, I would say the main thing prior to legalization was the fact that, uh, like, demand and supply couldn't really connect in a natural way. Okay. Because um, the market wasn't open. Yeah. Um, so, that's probably the main difference. Uh, that Like, that's probably what happened after legalization, basically, is uh, the free market was able to, um, like, actually go into effect. Yeah. And supply could meet demand properly. And so the equilibrium went into a flux and changed. And that's mm. kind of why the uh, prices okay. went up significantly mm. is because like there's actually so little supply available um, and so much demand. And with the free market being able to, with supply and demand being able to freely connect, mm-hmm. like that's very that's a very visible reality. But then as a business owner, don't you see that as an opportunity that if there's such, is there's so much demand and very little supply and you can supply, mm. can't you just charge whatever price you want? I mean, technically you can, but I think, you know, personally, I don't want to price gouge okay. people. You know, I, I think, uh, I mean, in my shop anyways, at 420, we offer prices all the way from 420 up to 900. Mm. Uh, so, okay. you know, we, we're trying to offer like a good range of uh, stuff available for people. Um, but I mean, in regards to like being able to supply the large demand, yeah, for sure. There's huge opportunities there, but the thing is it's not one, it's not easy to cultivate. It takes, it's, it's like a very, uh, it's a craft that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to learn well, you know, even with mentors, it can mm-hmm. still easily take up to two to three years to grow really well and wow. facilities are very expensive to set up maintained yeah to maintain also basically everything in cannabis is expensive <laughs> which is why cannabis tends to be quite expensive okay. um yeah you, you could have for example like uh just to make it easy you know you can have a tray and that tray might usually cost 100 baht and then oh because this tray is for cannabis it's 300 baht Okay. You know, and okay. that's just across the whole supply chain. I see. Yeah, it's pretty much across the board. So, um, what's the most equi- expensive equipment? Usually the lights. The lights. Yeah, right. lights yeah. are expensive. I mean, there are cheaper lights too, but they tend to not be good at okay. all. And uh, I mean, this is a common mistake that cultivation facilities uh, do here a lot. Like people who invest into them, anyways, is they tend to choose like mediocre lights mm-hmm. and even those are expensive like maybe 15 to 18,000 a unit wow. and they need like a few hundred <laughs> okay and then within a year or two they need to upgrade those lights so they double spend so how much is an a grade light um, I mean my best lights my best lights are 32,000 each each and you have about hundred of them 
well, a larger size facility would have yeah, a hundred plus or something. I mean, a medium size facility is maybe like twenty to wow. sixty or whatever. Thirty two k per light. Yeah, <laughs> it's expensive. Yeah, I would never, I would never guess that. Yeah. I mean, it's I've a, seen it in movies pretty much. I would have thought it would cost maybe a thousand. But yeah, no way, man. I mean, it looks like <laughs> a tube light, right? I mean, no, no, these are like the Rolls Royce of yeah. Grow lights, so what's I mean. special about them? The technology in them, you know, like the the what the do they lights. do? I, I mean, are they just providing heat, the right amount of temperature uh, and so, sunlight for the I mean, plants? Basically, the plants need to photosynthesize yeah. to create energy to grow and develop, mm -hmm. um, and to do that, obviously, then it needs light, right? And you, the best light. This is a little bit arguable now, but the best light is the sun. Let's say, right? So. Um, when LED lights, I mean, a revolutionary LED technology just came out about three years ago, being these new LED chips. Okay. Um, and these chips are have such a high uh, technological component built in that, like, with proper spectrum settings, we can basically get higher efficacy than sunlight now okay. with, with yeah. LEDs, but they have to be very well-developed LED lights. Mm. Um, that was the question, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so th that's what's special what about makes them. Makes special, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so basically it's the technology behind them. Wow. You know, for example, like these ones that uh, my company sells, the top line ones, they all connect on Wi-Fi to each other, to a central oh, wow. controller. Yeah, it connects up to like 500 units, I believe. Wi-Fi lights? Yeah, lights on Wi-Fi. Okay. They're all connected together. You can control custom set settings, like uh -huh. so you can control spectrums. Okay. Whether you want more, I mean, spectrums is like, it's a wavelength, right? Yeah. So you go all the way from like zero NM up to like uh, 900 or 1000 NM. Is that the power intensity of the um, light? Or? It's basically the spectrum of the light. The spectrum being like the color that okay. it's emitting. So like these lights in this, uh, here are all different spectrums, like yeah. white, orange, yellow. Yeah, they're all just different wavelengths. Okay. And basically the, the plant will photosynthesize those different wavelengths differently. Mm. They all have like different attributes for the plant itself. Yeah. Wow. So there's a lot of uh, like studies going into yeah. indoor horticulture in America now and, and now also cannabis growing basically, yeah. All right. No, okay. So without going into too much detail i just want an approximate price okay let's say jay from the tiger wants to start his own uh okay, yeah field right so with the lights with the let's say a small sized facility getting get, getting the area getting the lights setting it up getting my plants getting people to take care of it how much would that cost me per month to run that facility this is before yeah. i've sold anything i think it's really hard to say because it comes like it's very uh you need specifics to kind yeah. of give that, but a, I think a little, a little more details, like how big is the facility, maybe, okay. or like medium you know, size, medium size, like yeah. what, a thousand plants. Yeah, thousand plants. Let's go a thousand plants. Okay, let's go a thousand plants. Uh, let's say the townhouse or a warehouse that's doing it was just rented, mm -hmm. and then you need to construct and build a facility, and yeah. so you're just renting it. You probably need comfortably maybe like eight hundred thousand dollars per month no 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 no. as a project okay total to get started to get started to get started yeah and then to maintain it so per month like let's i mean if you're doing salaries employees consumable purchases being repeat purchases that you need to do for cannabis like 
just power alone could probably range into like 200,000 plus. So at least a million to like get going for the first month. Well, I mean, just the, no, like there'll be like a, like a 15 million baht capex yeah. investment to get the equipment oh, so you can actually start. Yeah. And then you're going to have monthly rollover expenses and power. So what's... It's, it's what, like Bitcoin farming, you know, like... It, but what's this power. all about everyone starting to grow cannabis plants at home? How are they doing this? How does everyone have the money to invest? Well, I mean, it's different if you're just growing a couple of plants at home, right? I yeah. mean, you can get like starter sets okay. to grow maybe like four plants at home. Yeah. Let's say for about 20,000 baht or something. Okay. Wow. But to go still, to still a lot, man. I mean, it is still 20, a lot. Baht. That's a lot less than what I used to pay back in the day. Back in the day, uh, yeah. Back yeah. in the day my tent alone used to cost 20,000. Okay. You know, one LED light would be like 30,000 baht. Okay. And you need 10 or something. Yeah. But you get by with one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. Um I think capping off, you know, just learning about you and what you do, like I just want to ask you personally have you ever felt like underestimated or people have looked down on your job title or professional like profession mm. or just because you know of your age as a young entrepreneur in Thailand? Yeah. I mean, I think for sure you know, like if it was 2 to 3 years ago, yeah. You couldn't even tell people. Right? For the most part. You yeah. Know, it was super taboo. Yeah. Um but then all of a sudden in the past 12 months, it's like the coolest thing to do yeah. now. It is the you coolest know? thing to do yeah, now. Supposedly, right? Mm-hmm. And then like everybody wants to invest and have a farm or everybody yeah. wants to have a dispensary now. Yeah. You know? So it's, yeah, it is kind of surreal. I mean, that you know, you asked me what's it like to be an entrepreneur and pioneering in the Thai cannabis industry. It's, it's very surreal. Mm. You know, I, every day I wake up and still feels quite surreal. But mm. I mean, I just yeah. try and like, narrow down and focus on what I need to focus yeah. and like I have my priorities I have my targets you know I know yeah. what I'm trying to do I know where I'm trying to go yeah. and that's kind of what I work towards I, I mean yeah and it's a, it's a great time to meet you and to be here as well because you, you're right you you are one of the f- few and first people to legally and properly do it in Thailand and as soon as you walked into the office I'm not going to name some people but there's about four people who came up to me like, wait, I know that guy. I've been to his uh, shop. Yeah. I've bought it from him before. Yeah. I mean, does that, that must feel good. I mean, it does feel good. I mean, the, one of the best feelings about opening these dispensaries is like uh, the experience that we are able to provide to our customers. Like mm. they come in and as soon as they step into the shop big smiles on their face super happy yeah. you know our goal is to provide exceptional experience so that's what we focus on um and again it's just like uh maybe just to describe it a little bit it's kind of like people get in touch with their inner child when they come into the shop and yeah you can see like you know a 30 year old adult just light up as if he's like five or six years old and he just walked into a candy shop you know yeah. eyes are just like sparkling just you know yeah. smiling like ear to ear and i think yeah. that is a very satisfying feeling and yeah i mean you know cannabis it can it can be very opportunistic but i mean i don't do it for the money yeah i do it because i have a passion for the plant and i believe that because you did it years before it was legal and you know this is thailand we never know if things are going to actually happen on time so. yeah yeah pretty much so 
Yeah, I mean, it's been, and you, and you it's started been with basically, you, know? you you started like you said, you were providing equipment to people, so it's not like yeah. you were you could have easily sold it illegally and mm. you know like most people did. That's yeah. how that's the only way you could get cannabis in Thailand illegally prior to what June. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I kind of part of how I see my mission in regards to the cannabis industry here is like yeah. everything that I try to do is to develop the industry and progress it forward in a good way, hopefully, you know? I mean, on top of that, like, I mean, to the, my, my, my year's goal is to create a hundred jobs. Hmm. Like that, I just woke up, actually it's just like two weeks ago. <laughs> and I was like, that, that's what I want to dedicate the rest of the year on. Try make a hundred, try create a hundred jobs. And then, so like tying that back to what makes it worth it for me to like to do it to take on so much responsibility and stuff like yeah i try and think of it like trying to trying to give back as well because it's, it's been good to me so yeah in ways i'm like trying to trying to give back yeah. let's talk about the current state of cannabis in thailand so does the law around cannabis annoy you in any way? What I mean by this is like, look, as in the broad spectrum of what you can do, what you can't do, do you see that as a benefit? Because, you know, at one point you'll have people who've properly registered do this legally. And then you have, you know, you walk, you're walking around Khao San and you've got people with rolled up joints just yeah. selling you that kind of thing. So, you know, you, no one knows what you can do, what you can't do. And there's, there's like this gray area mm. in the law. Do you find that, good or do you find that as a negative um i mean i think it kind of just like it is what it is you know the, these things are not really in our control in any way um unless you know you're sitting on some kind of board writing the laws and yeah. regulations about to come out i think you know it, it is a little bit frustrating that it's kind of ping-ponging back and mm -hmm. forth in regards to like what they might allow what they might not allow what you can do what you can't do i think it's very unclear but also, I mean, legalization only happened two months ago, and the way that they went about legalizing kind of left a, a void in, in the market, like, regulatory-wise anyway. So that's kind of what's being patched up now anyways, which, I mean, I'm, I'm pro-regulation. Most people are. Uh, consumers have to be protected. Um, but I think in regards to, like, am I frustrated about things? No, not really. Clarity would be nice because yeah. then we can plan better. That uh, was actually my yeah. next question. How do you even make any future plans or any big future plans? You know, if you're like, I'm, by the end of the year, I want to do this. Yeah. And you're like, will I be able to? Well, I'm trying to be optimistically uh, positioned okay. with my mindset, I guess you could say. Like, you know, we're, we're trying to move forward as if we know what the regulations are going to be, even though we don't. However, the thing is, like, I think because I've been in the industry a while, um, I think part of what my job is as mm -hmm. the owner of this company is basically to be able to navigate the regulatory framework that comes out. So, uh, I mean, I think it would be silly not to think that regulations that regulations aren't coming out because they yeah. are mm -hmm. for sure. Um, but then again, it, it's my job to try and navigate and 
yeah, basically navigate those waters. Do you expect the government to go hard? Now, they made a mistake when they started it, right? They they basically let it out with no regulations and now, you know, a lot of these I mean, officials have had to come I don't, out. I don't think it's a mistake to be honest. I think okay. I think I I have a I suspect that it was a pl- planned. That's what I <laughs> in thought. In hindsight, anyways, like, you know. There's no way that these government officials didn't expect people to use it recreationally. Like Well, yeah. I mean, they knew I mean, whoever signed off on it, you know. Yeah. They would have known that, like, there wouldn't be any laws mm. to control it because the only laws controlling it were narcotics laws. Yeah. So once it's not a narcotic anymore, there's no laws. Yeah. And I don't think that they didn't know that. Yeah. Right? I think, well, again, what I was expecting anyways, and I think a lot of other people were that regulations were going to come out prior to the ninth. So I think everybody was kind of expecting... I mean, everybody knew. It was written in the Royal Gazette. Yeah. Like, cannabis will no longer be a Schedule Five narcotic as of mm-hmm. that date, right? And then, I mean, yeah, most people for sure were expecting sets of regulations to come out prior to that date. And it just yeah. ticked by one day at a time until it was the 9th and nothing had come out. And so then were you shocked? Well, like after June the 9th when, when that happened? June the 9th, right? Yeah. So after June the 9th, were you like, wait... We can do anything. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, because my company does cultivation and, you know, I consult for some of the bigger cultivation companies in Thailand, currently anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a convention, a growing convention where a lot of these bigger companies in Thailand are, are meeting. Yeah, okay. it's like a networking and mm-hmm. growing con- convention, basically. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of heard a rumor about it specifically that Highland was going to uh, be selling weed on the ninth. Okay. But, I mean, I was super doubtful. <laughs> I mean, I knew that I knew I'd read what was coming out, but it was kind of more like uh, almost like it's disbelief, right? Yeah. It was basically being in disbelief that it's going to happen because I, I was like, yeah, it's pro- probably not going to happen. Um, but what I did hear was that somebody there uh, who who is also in the industry uh, mentioned that he was very certain it was going to happen um, because he was working with them, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, I again, I, I heard wind of it potentially happening about a week before yeah. legalization. And then, uh, I mean, I had planned with a friend to go on the day of legalization to check it out, to see yeah. it. And we actually decided not to go. He was like, oh, I'm not going. I'm hungover, whatever. And I was and so I was like, okay, screw it. We'll go tomorrow, whatever. Yeah. And then like, 10 minutes later, I was like, wait a second. I mean, this could be like revolutionary for cannabis here. I should go, you know. Yeah. And I ended up going. And I told him I went. And he ended up getting out of bed and coming too anyways. As soon as we're there, man, cue out the door, you know. And like, yeah, we ended up just spending the whole day there okay. just it was one of the most surreal feelings ever for sure. Cause it just went from black to white, you know, like yeah. from it being, you know, a potential prison sentence, even for using it mm. or for, for, for having it on you, uh, to, to like Highland is selling it with a scale there, like yeah. weighing it out for people. Yeah. But it was fun. It was fun to see. And it was, yeah, cool, pretty, man. pretty crazy. So, so who's your source of 
information as in you know when when these laws happen or or are being proposed mm. do you just plan according to the expected proposal or you kind of have a feeling that i know this is going to happen mm. like who's your source of facts and law my current source of facts and law uh definitely not like bbc and cnn <laughs> let's put it that way All right. uh but you know in regard like just on a serious note uh basically i i prioritize what comes out in the royal gazette okay because that is the law you know and so i mean i faced a lot of this as the legalization was happening as i was kind of telling people i'm opening up a dispensary there's a lot of pushback like from people around me people i know yeah. like oh you can't do that it's illegal weed's still illegal 0.2 percent blah 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 you know and i was like well, where are you reading this from yeah bbc you know like so you're reading bbc news about cannabis laws in thailand mm. it's basically chinese whispers a lot yeah. of it you know what i mean like, yeah. by, the, by the time the news gets to them it's cons- mm. contorted or whatever yeah. and and um, that was a problem so yeah you know a lot so of the a lot of confusion yeah a lot yeah. of the news me- media outlets they were looking at the laws and they were like oh it's only extracts that mm. can be 0.2 percent like you know when you're making the cannabis i mean that's what it example. stated yeah yeah but there was no rule regarding the buds and yeah. and all these other things that you could well, say they had intentionally left specifying the flower out of the uh out of the vocabulary by just saying plant matter as a whole or like mm. basically calling it biomass yeah right so it w- like this is why i think it was somewhat uh intentional that this happened but mm. you know rather than saying you can use the flower yeah. right it was like oh you can use the plant as a whole okay you know which includes the flower because yeah. it's a plant and you know like you said you, you you try to run your business legally on the right side of the law and doing things properly but you know being in thailand do you ever run into issues like regarding politics or police or e- even like government officials who might be you know misinformed mm. i mean i think again a lot of, and th- this is also like the reason why i only really look at the law in the royal gazette regarding cannabis is because it's a lot of speculation and the speculation like it's a lot of uh opinionated perceptions yeah. on what the law is on the royal gazette you know mm-hmm. it's people interpreting interpreting it differently mm-hmm. and that is the law right because it's like what your what is your interpretation of it and I mean, that's not final until you actually run into a problem and then that gets resolved in, in like a court, let's say, right? Mm. Um, but I mean, back back to the question, you know, is there any issues with it? Not not specifically. I mean, I think not many people, re- again, really actually know what the regulations are going to be, even the most well-connected people, even people in like, uh, you know, senior government mm. positions. A lot of them, I mean, a lot of people like to, like to kind of like uh portray that they might know i'd be dubious about people who are kind of taking that stance because i mean again if those people know now they would have known on the ninth right yeah yeah true considering thai government's love for paperwork how many permits and registration paperwork were you involved in before you had to do everything legally because they make it seem quite simple they make it Mm -hmm. oh you want to 
for individuals who want to mm-hmm. grow it at home, you just register through an yeah, app and you pretty much get it. Yeah, you get it in like, yeah. Uh, yeah, you do it in five minutes, you get it within the day. But I mean, running a legal business, mm-hmm. are there, is, there, is there permits and paperwork and months um, of running around here and there? Well, I mean, I think running a business in general requires a lot of permits and yeah. paperwork. So it's not that much additional paperwork on top of running any really? other business let's that's say, quite surprising at okay. the moment okay you know so i mean like like you were saying currently to grow all you need to be is thai okay or have a thai company and basically sign up on the blue kanta government app and it is a pre-approved process basically where you just are not you're not requesting for permission you get pretty much like a permit based on what you're informing them so it, it's basically like you're informing the government of your uh of your project you know it's not a request it's like you're you're telling them that you're growing here at these latitudes you know however many plants where did you get the seeds yada yada and it's just yeah it takes about five ten minutes right now um in regards to the selling of it um I mean, quickly after it was completely unregulated, they basically, basically the flower, f- or yeah, the flower itself fits under the uh, controlled herbs regulations now, which is are actually old regulations that were written prior to cannabis being legalized. Um, that is, yeah, I mean, it's like a standard application process. It's not too hard. You just gotta do it with the local like Sasata office which is the, it's like a Sa'atalanasuk, you know, like the public uh, health department of that county or yeah. area or, or, yeah. Basically, it's like local uh, health provincial offices that are the uh, institutes that are giving people or, or yeah, give, giving out the, basically that's where you go to apply, yeah. It takes about two weeks. You, your your shop 420 is that located on soy 11 where is that uh so we're our first shop is on sukhumvit soy 22 22 okay yeah it's tucked tucked away into a little corner okay. it's uh, quite private um and then we just opened one shop on asok as well oh okay yeah that one's a little bit more like a cafe style concept yeah. um, time wanted to ask your opinion on places like juicy mm. so Juicy is a club restaurant, has an open air area. They openly market that, hey, we've got these 13 different strains of cannabis that you can buy. And they kind of, you know, give it to you on the spot. Mm. Okay, you get it's medicinal or whatever. Yeah, whatever purposes they are, right? And then people just like, yeah, sit down like you and me are sitting right now in the open area. Mm. And they smoke a joint. I mean, is that legal? Is that illegal? is a gray area. I don't even know. I'll be, but what do you feel about that? I mean, I, I mean, I think yeah. it makes a lot of sense because I mean, like the government seems to, uh, let's say, are a little bit sensitive about it being smoked in public. Mm-hmm. It, based on what's written, it doesn't anywhere say that it's illegal yes. to smoke in public. Yes. But it can be a matter of public disturbance, which is can a carry like a maximum of a fifty thousand baht fine. And I believe they put like and a potential one year sentence yeah. perhaps. Yeah. If I recall correctly. That's, but that's right. I mean it's basically like loitering or drinking in public or those kinds of things, you know. It could be considered a public nuisance. So yeah, it's a public nuisance. So matter. if we were walking on the street and 
I was smoking a joint and my smoke hit your face and that was a public nuisance you reported me, yeah. yes, technically it's, it's I could like get in a like world that. of trouble, right? Well, 50,000 baht worth of trouble. <laughs> up to 50,000 yeah. baht. Well, you're a rich man. I can't afford that. <laughs> but but if I was in Juicy, like you see, you're with like-minded people. Everyone was smoking there, yeah, right? Yeah, so it should be a And that's a great, problem, atm- yeah, it's a yeah. great atmosphere to be there if that's what you're into. Yeah. And that's what I thought. I can't smoke cannabis. Mm. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, there are people who don't like it, who like it. Uh, there's a lot of people in my life who do smoke it and love it. I'm like, cool, you do you. Mm. It doesn't bother me. It never has. Um, but, you know, a lot of people are afraid that, oh, Bangkok's going to become just like Amsterdam. We don't want cannabis in Thailand. And exactly. It's <laughs> that's, a, that's actually would be really good. Like, I'll give you my opinion on that. Okay. Cannabis tourism are going to attract higher paying tourists. It falls in line with the TAT's vision of like, kind of like upgrading the target market right like they're trying to attract uh let's say you know middle upper class type spenders as opposed to people traveling on a budget like you know they're trying to phase out of the backpacker yeah audience of of tourists i would say and that falls in line with cannabis directly like cannabis one is quite expensive so like the people it's who like come to purchase 500 baht for a gram. That's not that, cheap. That's a, that's a cheap gram too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's it's not the cheap. cheapest of the cheapest. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So like, you know, pe- pe- I mean, people come into the shop ready to spend anywhere between one and three thousand baht mm. on some cannabis, and like, these are not bad people. You know, these are successful people. These are people who are very. Most of them are very successful, and like, they just like cannabis. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, I mean, again. I mean, if there's anything that should be a bigger issue, I would say it's alcohol. Mm. Because with alcohol, you attract that, like, l- like, l- like, almost like a lower paying type of tourist. Because, I mean, people come for, like, Soy Cowboy and yeah. Nana. And, and, you know, if the whole point is, like, trying to have a good image and trying to clean things up tourism-wise, then I think cannabis is, like, perfect for that. Because, I mean... You know, there's red light districts yeah. everywhere in Thailand. Yeah. And, you know, why is that not an issue? I guess yeah. you could say if cannabis is, is seemingly an issue. Do you think it should be regulated in certain areas? There was talk about Khao San becoming mm. the cannabis hub. I I thought about it and I was like, that, that makes a lot of sense. Because then you have one area where everyone loves cannabis. They can buy it there. They can smoke mm. it there. And for the rest of the expats, local Thai people who enjoy soy nana and soy eleven or whatever, they can go and do do that in that area. So then you have a choice. Yeah. But then you know, is, is there an opportunity now where it's just going to go nuts, where everyone's just you know, let's say cannabis tourism takes off and everywhere you're just going to get cannabis because that's what normally happens in Thailand. I think cannabis tourism is going to take off a lot. I mean, regardless, right? Regardless, yeah. because the I mean projections. I mean the industry right now is worth. Uh, you know, there's not much data on it, but it's not worth that much at the moment. But yeah. I mean, it's projected to be something along the lines of like, uh, was it about se- 70 billion baht mm-hmm. annually okay. by 2025? Yeah. This was prior to le- like legalization um, being in the cards this early. Mm-hmm. So that prob- that figure is probably like doubled at least. And so we're 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 in a hyper growing industry even though people can't really see it, there's been, I would not be surprised if billions has been invested in a a period of about two months. Um, So, I mean, just to tap on that for a second, I mean, 
I think cannabis can be Thailand's way out of uh, a lot of issues, mm-hmm. whether it be uh, the negative image that it has. Yeah, w- w- you know yeah. whether the issues are like uh, yaba sales. Okay. I mean, Thailand has a yaba problem, right? Yes, especially in rural areas. Yeah. Yaba yeah. is methamphetamine. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and like a big problem that everyone it's likes. A huge to problem avoid. here, yeah. and then you know a huge problem here is also like alcoholism. Yes, and that's why there's alcohol, uh, you know, purchasing regulations here. Cannabis can help that too, right? Tourism. Uh, Thailand was losing out a lot on tourism to other ASEAN countries. Their other ASEAN countries' infrastructure is getting better, right? They're um, they're safer to go to, and people like Thailand was a hotspot for decades. So people have traveled here, and now they want to experience other stuff, right? Cannabis can bring them back. Mm. It it will bring them back. Yeah, I'm positive about that. You know. Yeah. I mean, the amount of people that I know for a fact flew to thailand because they came to our shops yeah and we asked them they came in just for cannabis wow specifically hmm. some we have some people that Interna- come, took an international flight an international to come flight, smoke yeah. it here yeah. and then yeah exactly hmm. and, and, and then, that's what's going to happen i thought it was a great move by thailand being the first country as well because it for some reason thailand makes sense that thailand was the first in asia yeah and also the fact that, that right. yeah w- like countries like singapore and malaysia and japan where everything is so regulated and so, so strict yeah. exactly and you come to thailand and you just have that proper holiday for whatever yeah. it may be right why is it okay to travel to thailand for red light district to drink your worries away just yeah. to, to to lay on the beach and get a suntan but suddenly when it involves cannabis that's not okay yeah right? yeah and yeah that, that that to me again it's yeah. a it's odd it's basically a mindset that i think needs to kind of be what's the word like phased out yeah because again like sure it anything can be harmful mm. you know anything even yes. like candy yeah. is basically harmful right so like cannabis of course can be harmful but so can anything everything else be right so it's yeah. about like educating people on responsible use or whether or not that a lot of people don't even like cannabis like like yourself like i mean maybe not that you don't like it but it just doesn't agree with you very much right and that's fine right so it shouldn't be a problem that i like cannabis (laughs) i'm just mad i can't take pot (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay ty how much money do you make ballpark i'm ballpark without 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 being uh, rude, without sounding too rude, I meant I mean, ballpark as in, um, you know, after you've done your initial investment, we've discussed that, how much it would cost, medium-style yeah. facility, like, you know, how how much money does a cannabis entrepreneur make per month? I mean, or yearly so profits, so let's I, go yearly I have, profits. I have three companies, but okay. I only pay myself for one. Okay. So I'm unpaid for two companies. Okay. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I make a, you know, a reasonable salary. Uh, but I mean, if you're talking about like the potential that cannabis companies can make, yeah. So let, let's say we like backtrack a little bit to that investment that you were saying, like a thousand plants, right? Yeah. Six to eight hundred square meter type facility. Yeah. I mean, you could at today's prices, you could maybe generate like a hundred million a year. Hundred million baht a year sounds pretty good. It does sound pretty good, but like. You know whether or not you can actually achieve that is another thing. You know, like on yeah. paper, yeah. It's, it looks and sounds really good, but then again, the execution part of it, 
it's not that easy but it sounds like a business that seem that is quite self-sufficient like you've done your initial investment you've built up the facility and you're growing it and then you know after a couple of years when you've made your money back um you you know you you don't need to reinvest much is there i mean unless you want to scale up cultivation okay. right yeah yeah so you could just be happy with your medium-sized facility earning millions happy. yeah you yeah. could be very very happy but again that's at today's prices you okay know? and today's prices are you know a little bit outrageous yeah. in thailand and is that a concern because with now people you know learning to grow growing it at homes mm. selling it illegally and it's just kind of wild yeah is are we going to hit a time where you know uh the supply will be so high that because of the high supply, the prices will go down. And mm. is that bad for businesses like like you? Um, I mean, I think it's inevitable anyways. You know, again, it's just like a free market dynamics, mm-hmm. supply, demand type thing. Like, you know, with, when prices like this are high, you can grow something four to five months and, and make a lot of money. Like, yeah. that's what people are going to do, right? So I think it, again, it's it's an evi- inevitable an inevitable thing to happen for sure. Um, <clears throat> is it a concern? I'm, I mean, I'm not super concerned because uh, I mean, even fifty million in a year is not bad, right? <laughs> not, not <laughs> there's, too bad. there's 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 that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I mean, it, it's a concern in that maybe let's say, if people who want to get into the industry. And I'm kind of specifically thinking that it's a concern more for like poorer farmers okay. in that like if they can't maybe start monetizing it relatively quickly, then they might miss out on the most opportunistic times mm. to profit and mo- monetize off cannabis growth. But again, like, I mean, if you look at the U.S. market, even European markets that do a lot of importing, um, yeah, the per pound price is like. 500 to 2000 dollars so you know so how do you differentiate yourself in this open market like in in thailand for example what tell me a little bit about you know your shop uh 420 Mm. and and how do you differentiate yourself is it the strains that you have because you said it starts from 420 up until almost almost a thousand baht per gram yep what's special about that like why are there price differences yes and, and and how do you differentiate yourself so i mean i would say for cannabis to to grade it i would say it's usually aesthetics so visual uh it's the smell okay right? the taste the kind of like the smoke whether it's light dense smooth and then the effect so it's five different things usually Okay. A lot of the pricing comes from the potency, though, which kind of is like the effect part. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the potency. A lot of people, especially in America, they'll test something. If it's high THC, it's worth a lot. Okay. You know, but we try and, and price things on a more variables and just high potency. So like some of our strains that are cheaper are sometimes more potent than more expensive strains because yeah. they're overall the the other ones a better grade. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how we do the pricing. I mean, we use a a tool called the Gemacert. Okay. No um, idea what that is. Yeah, it's a it's a small household device. It's actually commercial scale. Um, my uh, equipment company sells them, but basically, um, there's something called an HPLC, which is high performance liquid uh, chromatography. I think 
which is like a two to three million baht machine that okay. uses it's like a lab lab grade equipment that basically tests cannabinoids um, in in cannabis. This machine is like three hundred fifty thousand baht, so it's like ninety percent less okay. than that, and it it uh, is supposed to be. I mean, yeah, it's supposed to be ninety percent accurate to a machine like that. Um, so we use that machine to uh, do potency tests for our uh, cannabis. Um, I mean, other than that, I think a lot of people here at the moment, because there is kind of no standard to maybe like a regulation or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, there is kind of no standard. And to send your uh, samples to do HPLC testing, uh, waste the material like the material is gone after that which is that's not that's not the problem but it costs like 10k per sample to do so it is a little bit expensive and so I think most people are just uh, you know <laughs> yeah sampling it yeah uh, and then kind of basing it off that it's always been kind of you know what's it, word by mouth isn't it you go around you tell people oh I tried this great stuff from yeah. this shop I want you to check it out how do you even go on about marketing yeah, your so, company I mean, if, I guess to touch on the last question too, like the way we differentiate ourselves is, I mean, I think at the end of the day, anybody can sell weed. Yes. So that's not a, a good way to differentiate yourself. Um, what we try and do is kind of, uh, this ties back to like how the whole, uh, how, you know, worthwhile it is to do this business. It goes back to the experience. Like what we provide is exceptional experience to people and we prioritize like service over mm. you know like profits i guess you could say like we are here to provide exceptional cannabis experience to consumers uh whether they be you know domestic in thailand or foreign on on like foreign visitors that is kind of how we're differentiating ourselves you know are there standard prices for like standard strains of cannabis uh, so for example i don't know uh, i mean they come up with strange names don't yeah. they but let's Very start creative. so Just let's say creative. yeah <laughs> so, like, yeah strange but creative i'm gonna give them that yeah. so let's say for example the mandarin oriental yeah right so many people can grow it do they charge the same price or does it matter well, who's selling it i mean this is i think something that kind of ties into consumers not necessarily knowing exactly what they're talking about a lot of the time but you know for if someone says that they've tried like let's say uh, a strain the runts is mm -hmm. really popular right now like runces runts okay r-u-n-t-z okay runts like a runt you yeah know, like, so that's a popular strain right now and then so if someone says oh i tried well i tried that strain if someone's like oh i've tried this bud it's runts and then you were to say oh i already tried that in america that's not a valid like point yeah because that one that you tried in america is grown by that guy in america it's a different seed it's a different everything right different fertilizers mm. different water different this different that so this one i'm trying to let you try even though it's the same like strain the same genetics yeah i mean even if it's the same strain it's not the same genetics put it that way okay what's the most popular strain right now that you see in thailand that most people buy top three the runts like okay runts, the runts runts type products at the moment uh for us personally uh mandarin cookies does really really well mandarin cookies. mandarin cookies yeah, nice, tastes okay. like super good okay. tangerine orange bitter nice. super fruity but 
in terms of your opinion now okay so th- that's what people mostly yeah. buy in your opinion what's the top two strains that people should yeah. smoke in uh, terms of like let's say just i mean f- it, feelings different right uh, but like yeah. just you like it so like yeah the the mandarin cookies tastes really amazing okay. uh, it's super fruity so i like that a lot it's very smooth smoke i mean it's so hard for me to just pinpoint two you know because i like so many different strains for mm. different reasons different purposes and usually i cycle them but like just off the top of my head mandarin cookies is really good laughing buddha which is like a thai land race cross <laughs> with jamaican land race it's amazing that's why laughing buddha yeah. right yeah, yeah thai land race jamaican land race yeah. so good people love it that's a really good one uh i love our phenotype as well it's great it's like uh super sativa yeah very like earthy yeah it's not very fruity at all very dank mm. I mean, yeah it's a very nice strain Okay. Uh, there's that one, the Colt 45. Very, very nice. Colt 45, I've yeah, heard about. Yeah. Farm here in Thailand. Uh, I just bought some stuff from an or- organic farmer here. Uh, it's Wild Thai. Okay. He claims that he carried this genetic for seven years. Been growing it seven years here. It's really nice stuff too. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. How competitive is the market? How competitive is like in in your circle? Because mm. there's only a few you know dispensaries and ones who are kind of making a name for themselves like 50 now <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> you but, know they're popping but, up everywhere but you know there are clearly some that are more famous than others right and yeah. you're one of them so how competitive is it uh, i would say it's already quite hyper competitive okay yeah so like i mean there's certain areas that like there's more dispensaries than 7-elevens so that's just a point of reference, you know. And do you guys have like area wars, or do you see that happening in the future? You know how like uh, the motorbike yeah. gangs, like this yeah. is my area, don't come and sell in my area. I mean, that you know that was a bit of a concern when we launched, or yeah, when we launched that certain areas might kind of be like off, uh, off the market. Ooh, okay. <laughs> As you could say, like things yeah. like Nana, maybe for example. Okay. Or yeah, Kaosan Road, but I think basically it's just like everybody did it anyway, so. Mm. You know, if people who technically have like a lot of influence on those areas, yeah, what are they gonna do? You know, like they're gonna do it to everybody. Like it'll be maybe like a little too blatant, a little too obvious. Okay. Um. You know, I think again because I know a lot of the the owners of dispensaries everywhere. Mm. Like, ev- I mean, everybody's trying to capitalize on it, and I think, you know, like it's it's a free market for one yeah. right and i don't think anybody necessarily wants to like mm, harm other people or kind of like you know make make my success your loss type thing but i mean at the end of the day everyone's got different priorities mm. and, all right yeah, i think like you know I, there might be one opening right next to us so if, if we open right how next to somebody <laughs> like it's just how it is man like bring it on bro <laughs> <laughs> or you just become friends with them business. you become friends with them and share your strains Probably like put yeah we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll see. see i mean i i think people here are working Turf quite course. collaboratively uh like if you compare it to maybe like the u.s which is very like gang gang run mm. um I think that's one of the upsides in the cannabis industry here. What is going to help it kind of move forward quicker is that, like, it's not run by gangs, you know? Okay. It's not run by, like... Yeah, the government's the one who made it happen. Yeah, basically. kind of. And then, like, the people who are engaged in it are, like, people like me, mm-hmm. right? Like, very chilled, relaxed people who just kind of want it. 
like I think a lot of people here, especially the advocates for legalization, they want cannabis, the plant, to improve the lives of people in Thailand. That's that's like my ultimate goal essentially is like I want this plant to like mm. bring prosperity to Thailand, like to the people of Thailand, right? I want it to. I mean, I've seen this when I, with my own eyes when I go and consult uh, in these like very rural areas of Thailand. You know, so one of the farms is like right on the border of Burma, mm. like 20, 30 kilometers from Burma. And again, like it's a job creation vehicle. Like my company has hired 50 people in two months, basically. You know, that's one of my companies. The other one's scaling up now. We're going to hire probably another 20 people over the next six months. Mm. The third company is probably also going to, I mean, I, it's already adding people onto payroll too. So like, you know, I've, I've hired designers, I've hired farmers, I've hired consultants, engineers, constructors, you know, people doing installations, uh, managers, people in F&B, cooks, drivers, all kinds of people. And so like there is a lot of trickle down and there is a lot of spillover uh, for companies such as mine to improve people's lives. You know? And that's kind of what I think a lot of the advocates really, really want here in Thailand. And what it's why we hope that the government is not too stringent and controlling on the next set of regulations is because like <clears throat> the tighter they make the regulations, the less people mm. can benefit from it because if the barrier to benefiting from it is that you need political connections and just ridiculous sums of money to enter the market, then obviously it's not going to improve uh, the people's lives, like th those people who need it the most, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah, I think mo most cannabis advocates in Thailand really want the, the plant to benefit people's lives, uh, but across like the whole economy as opposed to you know, people with connections and, and, okay. and, and money. Let, let's talk about the dark side of cannabis. What is the dark side of cannabis? Like, is there like a hush-hush that many people don't really speak about in your circle, perhaps something that we, we can't see? Mm. And, um, you know, do you also have to be in that relationship in Thailand where, you know, you have to give gifts to certain people to get certain things to happen? Yeah, so I mean, I think... Again, prior to the legalization, yeah, it was very much like that. Okay. A lot of lobbying, a lot of gifts, a lot of, you know, that type of stuff, basically. Yeah. And that's kind of where the playing field is not even, and it basically doesn't allow free market participants, such as myself, to, to enter the market and to try and get cannabis, the industry, to benefit more people. Right now, there isn't any of that. And I think that's why you're, we're seeing such rapid pace of developments happen mm. in the market yeah. because basically anybody can do it. So if anybody has enough of a passion or enough drive to to enter the market and do it, like they're they're able to, and that is going to drive this market forward. You know, um, in regards to like the dark side of cannabis stuff here, mm. I mean, I think if we were to be talking about in America, like. Yeah, there would probably be a little bit more of the dark side of stuff too, because again, even till today, it's quite like gang affiliated, even the legal operations and stuff. But <clears throat> I think here, the dark side, uh, I would say maybe the darkest thing that I can think of, the most negative thing I could think of is uh, like because there aren't any regulations, you know, there may be certain cultivators out there that don't care about consumer health. 
Uh, although I would say not, there's not many of these people in Thailand, except yeah. the ones doing the brickweed. Actually, they for sure are spraying all kinds of toxic shit onto the stuff. But I mean, for example, if you have a crop that's growing, right, and it's outdoors here, and that crop is worth, let's say, 10 million baht, and then all of a sudden the whole crop starts to mold. It's a fix, like it, a quick fix is go down to your store, buy a thousand baht worth of chemicals, and spray the crop. But then that's going to leave residual toxins within the potentially leave residual toxins within the flower that can then go and damage consumers, you know. And so that is probably like the the most negative thing I could think that cannabis, like what might happen with cannabis, which that that's fixed with regulations anyways. So again, that's why my stance on regulation is pro-regulation because consumers have the right to be protected and informed. Um, is there anything else negative about it? I don't really think so, other than maybe the fact that, yeah, it, it could slip into, uh, you know, people who, into hands of people who shouldn't use it. Maybe uh, things like schizophrenics and stuff like that. They probably really, really shouldn't be using cannabis because it's a psychedelic or, you know, there is the odd cases of like uh, perhaps somebody's children or kids uh, eating like an edible or something that's been in the like a parent's edible that's in the fridge that's not being put out of uh, out of their child's reach and you know that happens but I mean other than that I don't think there's any kind of like really dark negative side to the cannabis industry here you're right that happens but you know children steal parents cigarettes and, yeah again, you know, it's their alcohol to pinpoint on something like that and say this is why it should not be allowed I think is like a very kind of maybe even like a little bit of a dangerous way to think because yeah. it's going to be so industry prohibiting that it's a little bit like dangerous in a sense that like for it to not to be allowed to benefit so many other people's lives because of a few cases and incidents like you have to weigh out the overall pros and cons right it can benefit millions of people's lives and yeah it could potentially affect in a small negative way certain people's lives but that again is with everything you know like mm. even for example i mean an, an extreme scenario is like guns in america right like a parent might have guns and then it gets into their kids hands right stuff like that yeah all right, all right let's talk a little bit about the future the fast last few questions um how does thailand educate people regarding the proper use of cannabis because most of the fears with the lack of education or, you know, just they just don't like drugs, no matter what mm. it is. But how do we start educating people? So, I mean, I think that Thailand has done a pretty good job, considering the fact that three years ago it was totally taboo. I mean, they have launched a lot of government campaigns to try and already change the perception of people uh, through, like, you know, it was being promoted uh, in the government and live TV all the time, like almost daily at one point a few years ago. And so I think they've done a pretty good job in changing people's perception. But again, because they've had such a, uh, I mean, they've had a relatively strong stance in regards to its use, right? Um, I don't think, I personally, I don't think the government's probably going to be well-equipped enough to like drive that education process forward it's probably going to be the private market that ends up doing that out of like interests for their business you know uh whether it's like oils for certain um ailments or just i mean like yeah what i think it's going to be the private market that kind of drives the education consumer education forward 
Where do you see the cannabis business heading in Thailand? Are you expecting big corporations to start, you know, cultivating and mm. uh, providing cannabis as well? Like CP, Singh, who knows? Mm. So I think, I think a lot of them will try. Whether or not they successfully do it is another story. Um, I think a lot of these companies, again, they, everyone's excited about it. Everyone's looking at how cannabis can kind of like add value to their current businesses already. I do, I mean, I, I do foresee these big companies trying for sure. Again, whether or not but they can not, do it. Right? Yeah, exactly. Why not? And they have the finances, they have the funds to do it. I think a lot of them, a lot of the big corporations are taking a little bit of a wait and see type approach for now. I do think they'll be piling in pretty soon. Mm. I think a smarter, I personally think like a smarter route for them, like the CPs or the Sings, for example, would be like just to focus on consumer products as a, rather than like trying to do the whole process from start to end. Yeah, I mean, that's just my personal opinion on it, really. Right. Um, but yeah, they, they will be coming in for sure. I think the more competitive uh, players that will be entering the market are actually from the U.S. and Europe. Mm. Um, but they can't own it 100%. Yeah, but they can come and do JVs. What's that? Joint ventures. Okay. Yeah, so they can come and partner up with local uh, operators. So let's say stuff. your company becomes, in, in five years' time, you're valued at $100 million. They come in, they're like, oh, uh, Kuntai, we love what you do. Let's have a joint venture. Yeah. But they still won't own it. Like, I mean... Well, they could own 49% of it, <laughs> you know? like They'd have to be happy with it's that, not bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, I think... I mean, Thailand's always had a certain level of protectionism. I think it's a good idea to do that, you know? Okay. Like, I I think it's a good idea not to allow these companies to come in and just spend a billion dollars and, like, try and do what they did in Canada yeah. here. Because, I mean what they did in Canada was exactly that. The biggest companies with the biggest budgets just came in, lobbied the hell out of uh, the regulations, closed out all small operators, tried to start conglomerates and yeah. doing the, you know, the one, the one cannabis cultivation facility and company to rule it all and failed. <laughs> and then left uh, the public, you know, yeah. a lot of people lost a lot of money. They oh, didn't. Okay. And now kind of like a lot of those industries and in, in, even in America, or kind of like being reborn out of the ashes a little bit. Okay. Is yeah. is Thai weed going to take over the world? I mean, I have a high level of confidence that it can. I think like as long as the government remains open and allows market participants to participate freely, I think like the important part is like like to be able to compete freely. Mm -hmm. So I don't mean like freely as in do whatever you want. I mean that as long as you're abiding by the regulations and following the rules, I think anybody should have a chance and the opportunity to, you know, do a business in, in cannabis. Okay. Um, can it become uh, like a cannabis center? Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. I think it could be one of the cannabis hubs of the world, not just Asia. Nice. Um, yeah. What's the one piece of advice for any young entrepreneur or uh, mature entrepreneur mm. Uh, wanting to start a business in cannabis growth cultivation or mm. se selling cannabis in Thailand, basically. So if it's one piece of advice, I would just say to be relatively cautious about who you pick to work with. I think there's quite a lot of phonies in this industry and a lot of over-promisers. 
Um, the other thing is, yeah, kind of like make sure you do your due diligence on your projects, the feasibility of those projects. Um, if it's somebody who's kind of like interested in growing and looking at that, I would probably recommend for them to just start growing straight away. Again, like you can buy sets from me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, you can buy sets online for like yeah. 10 to 20,000 baht. Yeah. You know, the seeds are legal to sell now. Uh, I got clones and stuff too, you know. And I, w I would recommend basically like dabble in it. Yeah. Dabble in it. Probably don't go too yeah. overboard with investments. And yeah, I think I think the main thing would definitely be like pick the people you're working with quite yeah. well because uh, just based on my experience in this industry, there are a lot of hiccups that happen from the wrong people being selected for the jobs that they're doing. Okay, cool. Well, Ty, uh, if you if the people would like to try your stuff, so you've got two cannabis dispensaries in. Yeah. Bangkok now you've got yeah. one in Asok and one in you said Sukhumvit 22, 22 yeah. and you also provide equipment uh, for cannabis cultivation and yeah. that company's called uh, Canna Grow Technology okay we'll, we'll have links in the description yeah. below and your third company uh, my third company is called Cultivate Cultivate um, yeah pretty clean <laughs> okay and uh, that's just growing it yeah the the main thing about that company is it will cultivate nice yeah. alright well Ty thank you very much for coming in and Thanks, Jay providing us uh providing me because i'm a i'm fair i'm a very i'm a noob i'm gonna be honest i'm a noob in this come smoke subject. you out <laughs> i wish i wish i could we'll do like we can do cbd <laughs> try yeah. it out I, I like to call cbd like uh it's like tofurkey you know okay. or like yeah like fake meat <laughs> i'll think about it but i'll think about it but yeah thank you for taking the time to come in today and have a Appreciate chat with it. me uh, I, I wish you all the best in your future endeavors and i hope when i talk to you um six months down or in a couple of years whenever i meet you again you know 420 has hired. yeah 400 people, people hired, hired. 420 has taken over bangkok uh, i mean it doesn't have to you know it, does, it doesn't have to take over it's not that's not the point it's like okay. it's just again we want to provide exceptional cannabis experience. Cool. Man. That's it. You know, that's well, it. Yeah. I hope you succeed in your plans Thanks. and all the best to you. Thank you very much. Appreciate Ty. It. Happy Thanks. day.